Happy Christmas week, everyone. Before we get started with our final Fantastical Truth episode for the 2022 season, I wanted to jump in here with an additional bit that we recorded uh, just before releasing the episode. We had recorded episode 142 before hearing about this news on the morning of December the 10th. Uh, I got a message uh, from a friend whose husband was killed the previous night in a car accident. Her name is Mary Schlegel. Her husband's name was Aaron Schlegel. He was born on August the 7th, 1990, and uh, was taken to be with Jesus uh, on the evening of Friday, December the 9th of this year, 2022. He was 32 years old. He was a storyteller, a friend to so many people, especially with the Realm Makers, a Christian fantasy writers community. He was a young husband as well. He actually met his wife, Mary, at the Realm Makers Conference. So they were the first couple that we know of uh, to be married and start a family as a result of meeting at that event. He was also a father of uh, two young children, uh, their little daughter, whom I met several times. Actually, I actually have uh, photos of her with Mary uh, from a few conferences ago. And uh, he also leaves a pre-born baby who is due next year. So this is a huge shock to the Schlegel family. Uh, they've been surrounded by family in their area and certainly by longer-range friends over the Realmakers uh, community lines. But I wanted to add this note at the beginning of this podcast to let you know that we're still fundraising for the Schlegel family. Uh, organized at the uh, GoFundMe website there. You can find that link in our show notes for this episode 142. Just pray for the family. Pray for the Schlegels. Pray for uh, anyone. Pray for yourself if you have uh, suffering going on at the holidays. I know this can bring a lot of very sad memories, uh, recent or right up to the present, even while we're talking about the joy of our Savior's incarnation. Uh, and the fun gifts and uh, tools, not toys, that we receive in Christmas's past. Mary Schlegel actually appeared on our Fantastical Truth episode 71 back in 2021 during the Realm Makers Conference. Then we talked to her about her book, The Prism Conspiracy, which we actually reviewed at Lorehaven. We're hoping next to review her book, Son of the Shield, a more recent release. You can find those links in our show notes for this episode, 142. Just pray for Mary and Aaron, especially if you knew them. But uh, even if you didn't, uh, they represent now, at least to me, uh, all of the grief and suffering that we can experience at the holidays, even as we hope for the return of our Savior, who will wipe away every tear. Uh, the infant who came, who cried in the manger, will come again to remove all need for suffering and pain. So even as we prepare to celebrate the holiday season, uh, let's make room for those who mourn, help them out, pray for them, whether or not you knew uh, Aaron or Mary, pray for this young family Pray that Jesus would comfort and strengthen their hearts, especially at such a difficult holiday season. At Fantastical Truth, we are preparing for the end of our 2022 podcast season. Between this year and the new year, Zach and I will enjoy a two-week break. But first, we should open one last present. What is inside? Is this a toy or a tool? With all due respect for amazing toys... We'd like to talk about useful gifts we received, but still remember years later. In the words of C.S. Lewis's Father Christmas, which tools, not toys, at Christmas helped you grow as a person? Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com. Season finale today 
In this podcast, we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world Jesus calls us to serve. I'm E. Steve Burnett, the publisher of Lorehaven and also the co-author of The Pop Culture Parent. Despite finishing nearly all my Christmas shopping, for some reason, I'm feeling some holiday stress today. And I'm Zachary Russell, and I am much too tall to be an elf. And this is episode 142, What Christmas Gift Tools, Not Toys Helped You Grow as a Person. Zach and I were just talking about this topic before we started the recording. Uh, the point here is kind of bouncing off a language that Father Christmas in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe said when he arrived in the book, uh, the children, the Pevensey children, thought that it was the White Witch. It turns out it's Father Christmas who uh, has a rather divine-ish role, or at least an agent providence type role in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. What he gives to the children, he explains, has a different purpose than we often perceive Christmas gifts. So before we get started with the more open discussion here, uh, here's what we mean by the phrase tools, not toys. I actually wrote about this uh, last Christmas, Zach, so I'm going to quote just a little bit from this piece here. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the great Aslan's power has finally begun to thaw the land of Narnia. Father Christmas is finally able to enter and perform his delightful duties. He serves Aslan, Narnia's king. In fact, if Aslan is a reflection of Christ, then Father Christmas is a reflection of Aslan. Father Christmas is no mere Santa cosplayer. He cares not for materialism or gifts by obligation or excessive indulgence in any good thing. Instead, he joyously provides for the children's and the beaver couple's immediate needs. He even gifts them a small feast, hearkening to future celebration of victory. Best of all, Father Christmas grants each child a gift that is wonderful yet also suited to each child's abilities and real-world callings. When he describes Peter's sword, he seriously reminds Peter, these are tools, not toys. Bear them well. Each gift comes with conditions on its use, especially given the Pevensey's royal duties and the forthcoming battle. Yet this is not deathly seriousness. Father Christmas gives serious, joyful life. To borrow Lewis's later thought in The Last Battle, Father Christmas models a kind of happiness and wonder that makes you serious, which is too good to waste on jokes. That's from an article I wrote last year called C.S. Lewis Despised Xmas Cards and Cosplays, but Loved Serious Celebration. Zach, this theme has been deeply personal to me as I've worked through how I feel about Christmas over the years. As we'll mention in our chapters in this episode, uh, trying to grow up from the more uh, childhood emphasis on toys at Christmas uh, to joyful tools, not practical items like socks and ties and all that stuff you're supposed to give to men anyway, at least at Christmas. That's a joke that we hear. Uh, but items that help us fulfill our life purpose, that help us make us into, uh, into better people. Those are the kind of gifts that, as I think about it growing up, those are the gifts that I remember most. And, and in a lot of cases, I actually still have a lot of those gifts. And a lot of them are part of shaping me into the person I am, even to run Lorehaven and write books and all of that stuff. So we'll get to that in a moment after we stop by our cover sponsor for this episode. It's Oasis Family Media, again, the owner of Enclave Publishing and Oasis Audio. We're helping share the news about their latest fantasy novel, which just released in December. It's called Kilor by J.J. Fisher. What if you could edit memories with a single touch? The world that was is gone, lost to everything except living memory. But remembering comes at a terrible price. 62 years after the apocalypse, a new society has emerged from the ashes of the old world 
where highly valued memories are traded and nostalgia is worth dying and even killing for. Enslaved by a cruel master, Stephanie Winter is forced to use her rare ability to manipulate memories to numb the darkest secrets of the ruling aristocracy. This is Kalor, the Nightingale Trilogy Book 1 by J.J. Fisher, just released from Enclave Publishing. You can find more information in our show notes for this episode 142, or for even more details, go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. All right, Zach, let's uh, move past the stacks of wrapping paper and the boxes from all those gifts uh, that we've still got to wrap uh, before Christmas Day coming up here from release date in just a few days. Let's go to chapter one, a little uh, Christmas flashback. So we put some uh, fuzzy glittery edges around the border, put on some schmaltzy music and maybe a classic tune that isn't under too many uh, license fees and ask what great Christmas gifts do we remember uh, from the days when we were kids? And I'll start us off here. The earliest one that I remember, I don't remember the year, but there was a cartoon that I never actually saw on TV. It was called, here's some nostalgia for you folks, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Never once saw the cartoon, but there were McDonald's toys that were just the grooviest, the happiest toys you can imagine because it featured these little chipmunk characters and these cartoon characters in these uh, various uh, human-sized appliances. Uh, which they cleverly converted into vehicles with one of the best features you can imagine if you're a fidgety child, propellers. So many propellers, so many spinning things, and you could imagine you're flying this little creature through the air. And I had three of them and wanted the fourth. And apparently Santa, I found this out later, was running around town uh, looking at all the McDonald's, asking the people if they had any of these other toys behind the counter because it's just the one thing uh, that their son uh, wanted this holiday season. I ended up getting this little toy in my stocking and was just completely over the moon about it. And I don't remember at all anything else I got that year. And of course, I have no idea where that toy ended up now. Well, growing up, I was big into Nintendo. And so my favorite gifts uh, as a kid were Nintendo systems or Nintendo games, Nintendo accessories. I had the power glove. Man, that was awesome. It was terrible, actually, but it was really cool. I only know about this merch from snarky, uh, sometimes vulgarian YouTube videos about the gaming merch of the 80s because I missed all of that stuff. So you remain now the cool kid. Was this the original (laughs) Nintendo, not the um, Super Nintendo? The Nintendo Entertainment System. Started off at the NES. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so I had the the Mario Brothers, the Zelda, uh, Final Fantasy. Trying to remember when F Zero. I think F Zero is Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo is the one I remember the most, because I, I had so many games on that. And yeah, the Final Fantasy series, my all-time favorite. <laughs> I think I got one of those. I got one of those for Christmas one year and just sort of disappeared all day. In that game, uh, incredible games, uh, lots of fun. And then, but I also loved all the games that I could play with my friends, like the Street Fighter games. Uh, Contra, I think that was the original one. Yeah, all those violent games yeah. that turned you Ca- into a Castlevania, violent person. Uh, you know. Gang member. Okay. Yep, that's right. Oh, you played the Castlevania. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I've heard about that because I know that there is a, some kind of a, a yeah. very mature Netflix show about it or something. And of course, it ruins Stoker's canon uh, that yeah. I've still decided I'm uh, going to it. slavishly follow. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's it's not at all in the, 
mm-hmm. in the original Stokerverse. So that so that is the that was your main source of gifts. You'd say was gifts uh, for the uh, or games for the NES. Back I then? mean, it, I I got all you know different gifts each year, but I think those were always my favorite ones. Uh, just because I was a big video game kid, I wasn't. Uh, I might have shared this before. I wasn't really into sports from about uh, third grade on, and so that's when I really got more into gaming. But there, there were other kinds of games that really captured my imagination at that time. One thing in particular was this, uh, it's, it's called a pachinko machine. So it's sort of like pinball and a slot machine had a baby uh, and w- with m- little silver marble things. My friend across the street had one, and then my grandparents found one, I guess, at a flea market and kind of put it back together. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It, it's, uh, they're really popular in Japan. I think that's where they originally come from. And it's kind of funny because there's like an ashtray in it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it comes from like these casino things. It's If you've ever seen The Price is Right, it's like the Plinko uh, game that they would play sometimes. That thing was a lot of fun. It would it would break a lot, but it, it just had all kinds of bells and whistles and, you know, all kinds of special effects. Uh, but it was a very physical game. And I think that's why I, I like that. I mean, as much as I love video games, it's like here was a game where everything was like mechanical and tangible, very tactile, very sensory. Uh, that that thing was just tons of fun that we, my friends and I always played with. And, and I think that kind of social aspect is what made it fun. I, I don't really remember playing pachinko by myself. I think it was always with some friends. So while Zach is playing with his friends, uh, worldly games that were secondhand <laughs> for a casino, or violent video games featuring <laughs> soldiers and vampire hunters and other uh, heathen things like that. You're making me, my gifts feel really uh, wholesome in retrospect. I remember well, I got the another one Bible year, this year. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, not no, not that wholesome. Um, although I'm sure there was, you know, come to think of it, we'll get to this in chapter three. I think there were some Bibles, uh, uh, certainly as I was older, uh, that I got for the uh, for uh, Christmas gifts. But I do remember the one time that I really wanted the Little People Neighborhood TM. It wasn't oh, the Little yeah. People House because mm-hmm. there's a 70s version and an 80s version. In the early 90s, there was a Little People Neighborhood TM. And it was like two houses put together with optional accessories where you could push the little person down through the hole inexplicably uh, in the porch over the garage and land the little people in the trash can. I think this was such a strange feature, but it was absolutely delightful because then you could push the trigger beneath the trash can and launch the little people out of the trash can. Uh, the garage door would flip open. Uh, there were some other features and, of course, little bits of furniture and a little people car and things like that. This, by the way, was uh, the OG little people who were actually little. Uh, after that, there was some kind of consumer product safety uh, nonsense, uh, just a bunch of activists running around ruining things, and they decided to make the little people the large people uh, so that there was um, uh, less of a choking hazard. <laughs> I seem to remember oh, I see. an ad yeah. on the back of a parent's magazine in a waiting room somewhere that was threatening to make the little people large. And I, that was the year that I really wanted the little people McDonald's. I don't know if it was recalled or what, but instead, <laughs> ironically enough, you got the large people McDonald's. <laughs> and so suddenly the little people had been apparently eating a lot of McDonald's and um, they were not at all compatible with the uh, little people uh, size scale for the neighborhood and the house and the garage and all of those things. So I was really into the little people universe at the time. Uh, lots of compatibility there. Uh, there is a Playmobil phase, I think mostly with uh, my siblings. Uh, I think one of my younger siblings uh, finally got into the Lego phase and suddenly has Lego stuff all over the place. 
But my my favorite gifts that I remember uh, in the were are in the nineties. Really, uh, that's when we were started getting into the Adventures and Odyssey fandom. Suddenly, uh, Odyssey cassette albums started showing up uh, every year. Uh, we had the first of Odyssey's Godfather, uh, Phil Alter, on the show back for episode one hundred earlier this year. He helped create that show, and every year uh, we got uh, these uh, cassette albums. It's an audio drama uh, from Focus on the Family, so. Big reason why I'm doing the podcast now, very formative gift. Is it a tool? Is it a toy? Well, it was kind of both. Uh, and then there was the year, I mentioned this before, the show, Zach, uh, where things started to get a little, a little more awkward uh, because I felt like I should be too old for toys, uh, even though I didn't really want to be. But we'll get into that in the next chapter. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't have the little people. I don't think I really saw those around much. What but, about uh, the large people? Yeah, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, the pachinko machine definitely would not be kid friendly with those little metal balls that I'm sure children would swallow. And the ashtray. Yeah. Yeah. But my main, uh, toy like figurine growing up was all the Star Wars action figures. I started collecting those in like preschool and, uh, had a Darth Vader shaped carrying case that they all stayed in with a little, uh, slot for each character with like the name on it. So, you know, Luke Skywalker and, uh, return of the Jedi and the camouflage or Luke Skywalker disguised as the stormtrooper, And, uh, I, I passed those off, uh, to my kids a number of years back. And it was funny to see how my girls played with those because they didn't do the uh, lightsaber battles. Like you'd think and reenact the movies. They, they took all the star Wars figures to the movies and, uh, they put Han and Leia next to each other, holding hands on a date. At a, at a movie with a bunch of stormtroopers <laughs> or uh, sitting around a campfire, um, you know, eating s'mores together. And so it was, it was there, really that's funny. That's more how, wholesome. Yeah. They're not, very wholesome. Into Bud- <laughs> they're not getting into space Buddhism and dealing with moral gray areas <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. But uh, around fourth grade, I think it was, I got a boom box, which that was big back then. Oh, wow. That's what they used to call them, folks. Instead of yep. a Bluetooth speaker, it was a boom <laughs> box and it would boom and you would be cool and you'd have yep. sneakers. It not only had the radio, it had a tapes and not only one tape slot, but two. So you could two make mixtapes. Two tape slots. You could copy and tapes a CD one to the slot. other. Yep. Yep. Oh, so wow. And the CD CDs. slot. Okay. Yep. So that, those but had no, just come no out. No Bluetooth compatibility. Nope. Nothing like Way that. before no that, you had, to, you had okay. to put in like, uh, I don't know, 58 D cell batteries to make it portable or something. <laughs> I'm sure the, the landfills are full of nothing but D cell batteries from these things now. Uh, but you know, I got real into Michael Jackson, uh, new kids on the block, weird Al Yankovic, you know, all, all those, uh, well, it's still early okay 90s. to be into weird yeah. Al Yankovic. Now we had to cancel Michael Jackson mostly. And I think rightfully so, uh, this is late eighties downhill there. Yeah. yeah. But Al Yankovic as, uh, all of the memes, uh, proudly boast is still around and he has outlasted several of those artists. Mm-hmm. I wonder where the new kids on the block are. Uh, that's one of the original 90s boy band or was it late 80s i don't remember late it was 80s right around yeah the it was around fifth grade i think that came out okay yeah, Mar- i okay. mean mark Wahlberg was he one of them or just the brother of donnie i know donnie Wahlberg was in it and then now mark Wahlberg, his brother is a big action movie if you're star. talking about 80s popular culture that's gonna have to be your field to cover <laughs> I, I was not into it back then <laughs> one of the simplest gifts i ever got that i i just loved and it, it had so much return on investment was this huge book about every different kind of paper airplane you could make. And, you know, what kind of paper size to start with, how to Oh, that's fold so it. nerdy. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I remember this one year when we went to Colorado to have Christmas with my cousins. 
And, and they had a, a two-story house and, you know, we, we grew up with the one-story house. And so it was so fun to make paper airplanes and throw them off, like throw them down the stairs or the little balcony thing and, and just watch it fly across the living room. Uh, and I, I think I did a, a book report, believe it or not, on that for fifth grade uh, English class. And that, that thing was just amazing because it had like, I don't know, a thousand or so different paper airplane designs that you could do. So at once I want to affirm the original and modern uh, parental concerns about video game addiction. It is a thing then as now, but I also noticed that Zach talks about obsessing over all these uh, NES video games and yet also uh, obsessing over the finer details of paper airplane manufacturing. <laughs> so you really can do both at the same time. And uh, it illustrates, I think, this desire to put order into the world. Uh, to have some kind of higher mission. One might even say a mandate. I'm setting things up for chapter three. Can you tell Zach? Uh, you even mentioned the carrying case for your Star Wars action figures and each one having a label. And for some reason, I just got just a little tiny, I think appropriate dopamine hit right there. Uh, just <laughs> thinking of back to my childhood and going all nostalgic here because it's the holiday season. And I'm thinking about the little bits of pleasure. It'd be just to put up all your toys and put each one in that little slot. And maybe that's why I'm publishing Lorehaven now and doing editing and things like that, because to me, there is just such a satisfaction in even a little uh, act of creating order like that. Uh, it feels like being on mission, even with play. Uh, it feels like a way to grow up sorting things out like that. Well, before we move to a chapter two, that uh, awkward transition between getting toys at Christmas and getting things that are a little more grown up or you think ought to be a little more grown up, uh, let's look for another gift. That is our second sponsor, The Gift of Dragons by Rachel A. Greco, a fantasy novel. The fate of two species rests on the tip of a dagger. Ever since the Gendillians murdered her sister, Adelaide has plotted a rebellion to overthrow the king and prince who failed to protect them during the attack. Following her across the country is a stranger, not just any stranger, but the prince she's hoping to overthrow, and Adelaide's plans begin to collapse. But Prince Elias has his own dangerous secrets, secrets connected to the dragons that once lived in the land. If he can't earn Adelaide's trust, there may never be any peace for Adelaide, her people, or the dragons. Kirkus Reviews says the way that the author uses dragons in her story is unusual and elevates the suspense, a well-crafted, entertaining plot. You can learn more by going to our show notes for episode 142. Check the link there or get the full details at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors for The Gift of Dragons by Rachel A. Greco. All right, Zach, back to our gifts. Let's transition now in that uh, very challenging period between childhood and teenagerhood or the teen years or whatever we call it, young adulthood. I mean, really, uh, older generations wouldn't have put this uh, elongated interim period between childhood and adulthood. They would have just had you blend from one to the other. And that's how it feels sometimes, especially at Christmas. At least that's how I remember feeling uh, when I was, I forget what age I was, but it was one of these transition years. Uh, and the movie Toy Story had just come out, 1995. So all these cool toys are suddenly everywhere. And you have this big budget computer animated movie, which is different from another, you know, regular animated movie uh, that celebrates childhood, that celebrates toys and then uh, grants the imaginative premise that all your toys are coming to life and they have feelings when you leave the room. 
this struck me as being very, very fun to act out, uh, kind of a meta concept there. But then again, that would mean that you're still a kid playing with toys. And I didn't, wasn't sure that I wanted to do that, even though I kind of really wanted a Buzz Lightyear action figure, but they were in very short supply in 1995, because as Barbie herself says in Toy Story 2, Back in 1995, short-sighted retailers did not order enough dolls to meet demands. And that was just a complete meta observation there. (laughs) Toy Story commenting on Toy Story. I just remember it feeling so awkward and needing some guidance to realize that it's okay to still want toys, even though I was, what, 10 or 11, whatever it was, uh, but that it, it was appropriate then to start thinking that, hey, maybe the gifts that I should want and should take uh, increasing satisfaction in are the kinds of gifts that are not just toys, but are going to serve in your life purpose in some way. Yeah. So one of the uh, awkward things I remember from that season of life, I'll just call this kind of the middle school era, is wanting to get clothes like the cool kids had, uh, particularly the shoes. And so I, I was trying to get back into basketball. Well, I had a basketball net on my driveway growing up and my friends and I would always play games like 21 or just, just simple pickup basketball. Um, but I, I, uh, so I like just playing it for fun. Um, I didn't really ever play it at school, but it was cool to look like you knew how to play basketball by wearing air Jordans and, or the Reebok pump shoes where you actually like press the little tongue. It looked like a basketball button and you press it and it like airs up the bottom of it. (laughs) That, that was so cool. And you know, there were, there were jeans that were cool and there were some that weren't, um, there was accessories that were cool and then they got taken off shelves like the slap bracelets, uh, tie dye or like the uh, color changing shirts were, were cool. Uh, it, it was very much a, you know, an era where you wanted to fit in. So I went to a really big public middle school and it, you know, so that just has that, all that kind of peer pressure. Uh, but one of the things which seems really dorky now, but it was really cool back then was rollerblading. I got really into that kind of end of fifth grade into uh, middle school. And actually, I still rollerbladed like in college uh, to get to and from class sometimes. You know, that kind of combination of accessories that, that helped you exercise and get out and about. Um, I think I, that's when I moved up to like a 10 speed bike around that time. Um, and so just having sort of that independence and that not simply exercise to like get in shape, but just just to be active because that was very important. I was able to ride my bike to and from both elementary and middle school. Uh, and I don't know if I rollerbladed there or not, because there was a really steep hill. And I think that would have been probably a little dangerous if I think back on it. Uh, so I rode the bus most of the time. But yes, that, that was, you know, it, to, to summarize that whole season of life, it was, I want a Christmas gift that my peers will think is cool. Not just that I enjoy or think is, is neat, but something that other people will think is neat. Um, so there was that kind of social approval system on Christmas lists. Zach, you mentioned playing video games with friends and such. Do you recall what was there a time where you became much more aware of the need for that kind of social approval or even conformity uh, with the kinds of gifts you wanted, especially gifts that at least hearing them now sound more practical. Like you're not talking about toys. Now you're talking about shoes and jeans and things like that you know stuff that sounds more adult even if it's just really kind of basic 
Uh, yeah, maybe video games are still in that category of, I just want this game because it's fun. I'll tell you one one difference, though, is that I had friends that would only want to play like the Madden football games or the other kinds of sports games like, you know, soccer or whatever. I didn't really care for the sports games at all because I, I wasn't really that into sports. Again, it was more about the appearance of, oh, I, I, I have the right shoes, so I must be good at basketball. <laughs> but there was one like basketball game I got because I thought it was funny. I think it was called uh, NBA Jam, and it was like it, it was like an NBA game with like uh, fantastical abilities. So like you could dunk a ball and it would set on fire, or you could like run super fast or, or jump super high if you press the right button combinations. And so it was a little bit, you know, speculative uh, kind of storytelling with, within a regular basketball game. It was kind of magic realism. So I liked it for that aspect. I didn't really care for just the straight-up sports or strategy games. that, And that was kind of the start of the divide, I feel like, in middle school going to high school. It's, it's the kids that sort of took themselves very seriously. And meanwhile, I'm back here just playing these uh, fantastical kind of games. Yeah, I, I got into role-playing games around that same time for the same reason. I just like the the fantastical storytelling aspect. And a lot of my friends just kind of grew up out of that. Zach, you mentioned wanting to be taken seriously. And that reminds me of Lewis's line, uh, not from Father Christmas, but from The Last Battle, uh, that kind of rhymes with Lewis's Father Christmas concept. Uh, Lewis describes a kind of happiness and wonder that makes you serious. I think that's different from the kind of seriousness you're describing as I listen to you. You're describing uh, a more fundamental need or a perceived need uh, to to fit in, uh, to be taken seriously, to be serious. Uh, that's a kind of seriousness that, uh, come to think of it, is actually rather childish. I'm not saying we can't do it or it's a sin or something like that, uh, but I think it's an early and uh, immature version of the kind of seriousness uh, that Lewis is describing here, a seriousness born from happiness and wonder. Some other things are going on in my life at that time. Um, a, lot, a lot of just uh, personal heartache due, due to some family issues. But I remember this one Christmas where I just kind of looked at all my gifts and I'm like, man, I, I don't I don't know about all of this. I, I don't think I deserve all this. Oh, I've had that happen. That's awful. I don't think I want all these gifts. And it was sort of this um, moral crisis for about an hour or so. And my grandfather just had to come and, and sort of talk me off the edge, so to speak, of just like, look, this is how I show you love is 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 giving gifts. Like this is a a symbol of our love. And so don't don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty about it. I you know, I wouldn't say it's like you know, there's the stereotypical like, oh, there's children starving in Africa and here you are obsessing over the latest uh, video game or something. But it was it was similar to that. It's because you start to become aware of uh, what other people get for Christmas. You know, you, you you become aware of what people didn't get for Christmas that they may have had on their list. Or you look at um, some of the really simple things that that people get that your friends get and you sort of start comparing yourself. You're like, man, they're they're really content with this really simple toy like a paper airplane book and here i am you know uh with, with this big boom box or something and th- so that sort of awareness brings in that guilt and then y- you have to kind of work through that i really appreciated how pops spoke to me in those moments and you know didn't let me like return the gifts to the store or something but just to I- accept them and i i think it very much 
it was sort of the starting place for what made the gospel hard for me to accept for a number of years. That when I finally understood what the gospel was several years later when I was 16, the first step was realizing that I couldn't earn salvation. I, I couldn't get to heaven on the basis of my own good works. And that was very offensive to me because I was a very good student in school. I stayed out of trouble. I was a little mischievous in, in other things, but I wasn't bad kid by any means. And I, I didn't like this idea that I, I was being held to account for every sin I'd ever committed. I fell short of God's glory um, and that I needed help. Like I needed Christ to pay the penalty for me that I couldn't pay. Uh, that was deeply offensive to my very self-righteous heart at the time. And that Jesus died as an act of love and I had to accept this. And that took real humility to do that. Um, and it's, it's scary to accept grace if you think there's strings attached to it. If you think something bad is going to happen if you accept it, that you're going to get tricked or, or whatever. Um, so that, that was hard as well. But, you know, I was so glad for my grandparents just to have that very gracious and just open hands, no strings attached. Uh, Christmas presents that never made me feel like I had to earn something to get them, and that it it really did prepare the soil for me to understand God's grace. Repair the soil is just the phrase I hope I was about to think about because it sounds like you're speaking about that uh, pre-baptism or that pre-evangelism type effect that we've talked about in previous episodes. By itself, it's not the gospel, but you're experiencing a symbol of the gospel of this lavish. Uh, gift giving uh, that impersonates, uh, whether the giver knows it or not, uh, the common grace of God. And uh, certainly for the informed Christian, it also becomes a representation of the lavish grace of Jesus Christ, uh, not only to keep you breathing and uh, keep you warm on planet Earth usually, uh, but also to save you, to save your soul, uh, to save you for a greater purpose, to save you for spiritual maturity, the process by which we get gifts then from God, uh, not just to entertain us, not only uh, to be toys, uh, but also to equip us for our mission. So perfect segue here for chapter three, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, speaking of salvation, of course, another happy bonus of being saved, uh, being uh, safe in Christ, secure, is to keep you from going to hell, which is actually the topic of our third sponsor, the book Infernal Fall, a supernatural thriller by Brian Timothy Mitchell. Despite falling into hell, Daniel Strong is alive. A demon coaxes him deeper and plans to take him to Satan. Hell and its many horrors weigh heavily on Daniel. His hopes decay, but the Holy Spirit remains with him. Will he give in to the darkness? Will he find his way home? Infernal Fall is a modern twist on Dante's Inferno, Grab your copy today and discover if there is a way out of hell. That's available in paperback and ebook at Amazon. We have our links in our show notes as well as lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Kirkus Review says a remarkable cast of characters guides readers across a terrifying but compelling landscape. Look in those links for more about Infernal Fall by Brian Timothy Mitchell. See, folks, even when we're going nostalgic and talking about Christmas gifts and all of that schmaltzy stuff, we've got to talk about realities such as uh, the unending divine punishment of our righteous judge. Uh, but moving back to uh, the terrestrial plane, let's finish up this discussion. We may even say wrap it up 
by asking then what tools, not toys, did we receive either as kids or adults uh, that helped make us into uh, mature adults, just like Father Christmas uh, equipped Peter, Susan, and Lucy uh, with their magical gifts. I'll start us off here, Zach. I was thinking about my garage, as one does, and realizing that I still have this uh, handled toolbox uh, on wheels with lots of little compartments and uh, really useful practical stuff uh, that folds out or rotates in. That's a gift that I got. I cannot even remember when. Uh, it was uh, may have been the early 2000s. I don't remember. But I still have that toolbox to this day. Literally, uh, it is a tool, not a toy. Did I feel disappointed by it when I got it? No. Did I feel thrilled at the time? Not particularly. But that's the kind of gift that grows on a person, at least as that person is growing up. Uh, that's when you transition from being really happy about getting that disposable game or trinket or something. And then suddenly you do become that boring dad who really appreciates getting those nice warm socks uh, or that matching shirt or whatever. Like, it's not boring. I think you are maturing. You're growing up. You're recognizing the value of things. As you mentioned, Zach, from your story about uh, feeling overwhelmed by all of these gifts. But not just that. I, I think um, you mentioned earlier, uh, Zach, getting Bibles uh, for Christmas and how wholesome <laughs> that would be. Uh, there was a Christmas or two when I got a Bible. And of course, you know, that is the most practical and yet joy giving tool a Christian can or should imagine. Uh, also got lots of other books. Uh, mentioned my first uh, copy of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That was a Christmas gift in 2001. Yes. Right before I saw the movie, I managed to finish book one. I was a late comer, but better late than never. And a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to, yada, yada, yada. So books, of course, really practical gifts, uh, tools, technical equipment. Uh, I got a stereo, I think 2002. Weird how I remember these years. Uh, it was a stereo with a rotating CD tray. The CD tray stopped rotating a while ago, which is too bad. It held three CDs. It was not a boom box, but it's still working 20 years later. And I have it hooked up uh, in the, the Lorehaven headquarters office. And I've got a little Bluetooth transmitter plugged into there so that it's as up to date as I can get it. Useful tool? Yes. Uh, entertainment source? Also, yes. Uh, but I play music through that thing while I'm working on Lorehaven stuff. Again, really practical Christmas gift. And I could probably think of many others. So a gift I got in late elementary school that it didn't last too long as uh, something I used, but it very much is factored into my professional life was the Fisher Price PXL 2000 video camera. <laughs> it's really goofy looking video camera with like the handle on the bottom. It uses uh, very basic tapes. It was in black and white, uh, very low quality. I mean, it's like the, the I had to look up the some of the specs to remember this, but it's like 120 by 90 pixels. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's, it's very, you know, very cheap looking. And then you had to hook it up with little coax. It had a little TV that came with it, a little tiny TV. But I, I started making little funny videos with my friends. This thing was, was amazing to have as a kid to be able to have a tool to make videos. And it, it became, um, that skill became very central to who I am today, but also just all kinds of projects in high school and college and beyond. Whenever I had a chance to do a video project, starting I think in sixth grade, when it, whenever there was the option to do a video, which back then it was all tape based, and so I think after the Fisher Price one, it was 
Hi8 tapes or, or something like that. And then this is way before even like the digital mini DV tapes. That wasn't until college. Uh, so you had to hook it up to a VCR and like record it onto there. So, you know, splicing things together was, was very manual, very time intensive, but uh, that was a great tool, not a toy. It helped me sort of build a, a love for visual storytelling. Of course, most of what I made with this, you know, in, in school was all just kind of fun stuff. Like we did the Canterbury Tales one year. Uh, we did a spoof of like a David Letterman show. Uh, and then in college, we we made these silly videos for like the like the intro video for a college retreat. It was like a parody of Dumb and Dumber uh, with, with some Lord of the Rings thrown in and some other movies all kind of thrown in. You know, that's not really something you play with, right? Like you have to create something with that and it, and it becomes joyful. It becomes fun, but it, it very much is something it's work. And, and that was, you know, what first kind of gave me this sense of like, oh, creative work can be fun. Just as much fun as being a passive observer of a movie or even a semi-interactive character in a video game, you know, that you, you get to be a part of the storytelling. That sounds like a lot more mature version of a gift that I think actually my sister received sometime in the 90s. And I'll have to hasten along here. I could get bogged down here, but uh, we, we actually have to go on a trip here in a little bit, kind of a pre-holiday trip as we're recording. But this uh, before uh, American Girls got uh, co-opted. You've seen the story, Zach, uh, the mm, sexual revolutionary yes. vampires have struck again and Enough said about that. Uh, but back when American girl, I can't say this. I'm a man back. Okay, fine. Back when American girls were cool. Okay. Or supposedly, <laughs> uh, there was a computer software called the American girls premiere. This was a theatrical performance arrangement software. They had actually gotten actors, uh, for all of the different historical eras in the American girls franchise, you know, the pioneer days, uh, the, the, uh, the civil war days, the world war two days, all of this. Uh, they got an actors to act out certain motions and then you, the director of the play uh, could steer them around uh, and then input dialogue and uh, make them share the dialogue by means of a very, very mid 90s speech processor that sounded only slightly less human uh, than the late Stephen Hawking. So <laughs> you couldn't really use this too seriously. So my sister and I would make like separately make these individual skits just goofing off. Uh, we somehow settled into the Molly universe in World War II and we never left it. And then uh, by the end of a few years of development, uh, not only we had developed our creative and professional sibling relationship, uh, but we had made a full-fledged superhero movie called Super Molly 2. Uh, Molly had like this very patriotic outfit that even then before the Captain America movie, we knew kind of made her look a little like Captain America. So we decided to give her basically all the superpowers. Uh, and then we turned, I think her little brother in the Molly universe into the villain named Mr. Robber. Uh, there was a bratty girl. Uh, there was a boss fight versus a robot in the governor's backyard for the school science fair. Uh, it was epic. I've never made a movie before, uh, but that's uh, that's the only one I've ever made. It never made any sense, but it cracked us up. We pushed the limits of that poor little software. We made things explode, uh, all kinds of uh, sci-fi retro goodness. And so we were pretty prepared for the Captain America movie, actually, because <laughs> we had played in that universe of a 1940s uh, World War II era superhero. I still have great memories of that. And did that help with uh, the process of story creation? You bet it did. I like to think it helped uh, both of us develop uh, our senses of humor. It certainly helped me later on to think about how stories are put together. 
and of course, it's just a great way, like you said, to stretch out uh, that uh, attention span and to develop an appreciation for the creative process. And that's part of the Christian's mission. You know, whether you're not a movie director or a storyteller or a videographer, gifts like that are tools, not toys, that end up being better than toys. Although you certainly wouldn't want to say that to a little kid now, they're not going to get it. Uh, to borrow another C.S. Lewis quote, uh, it's like telling a boy who's really interested in playing mud pies uh, that there's something better that he's going to enjoy a lot more as an adult. He's not going to believe you, but when he gets there, he'll believe you. Well, speaking of things exploding, I was reminded this week of a very dangerous toy that came out in 1950. I never saw one of these, but it's fascinating to study. It was the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Laboratory. I've seen this monstrosity. <laughs> we'll link to this in the show notes. It's amazing. It's like a little back nuclear. back then when people weren't wimps. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, uh, you know, you, you, get, you get to watch atomic uh, reactions, chemical reactions, alpha particles, uh, radioactivity. You can measure these different reactions and, uh, and it says, Oh, it's totally safe. You know, just don't break the seals on it. Uh, that'll screw up the results. Uh, oh, but you, know, you won't get any radioactivity, uh, on you. Don't, don't worry. And apparently it's been ranked, uh, the number two most dangerous toy in time behind lawn darts, <laughs> which I did have long darts growing up. Oh, wow. Uh, See, we should have gotten more kids with superpowers <laughs> back then. I, I right. think this was some kind of a scam. Oh, yeah. I was only offered for about a year and a half. It was taken off the shelves. Only 5,000 were sold. I'll bet that I'll bet there's some kind of black market for this somewhere. I'm sure you can't buy it even on eBay, but uh, I'll, I'll bet someone out there knows someone who has one of these. I think maybe uh, the Kim Jong-un regime has <laughs> at least uh, one of those somewhere. Wow. Can you imagine that? Just getting uranium for a Christmas present and you're like, why is the Christmas tree glowing? Oh, yeah, although the maybe off. then the good Lord uh, may have used that early <laughs> interest in radioactivity and nuclear science uh, to make you an engineer at the Los Alamos laboratory or something. Yeah. You, you never know what kinds of seemingly dangerous tools, not toys uh, <laughs> that our good gift giver is going to use. Well, Stephen, earlier I talked about in middle school it being really important to get the right kind of pants. And recently for an early Christmas gift, I got a new set of pants uh, because I've lost some weight this year and I had to go down a couple sizes, which was amazing. But, you know, it, it leaves this very heavy sense of responsibility now on me. It's like every time I put these uh, smaller pants on, I'm like, I have to keep the weight off. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to go back to my clown pants. I went for a walk this morning. I'm like, okay, I hope I got enough exercise because I, I don't want to grow out of these again and, you know, have to go buy some new ones. And so it, it's just funny, like how I think about Christmas now. It's like, uh, I think about, I, I don't, I want is the least amount of money spent on myself as possible. Cause then I have to go make that money. Of course, it's very different for my kids. I, I think very much about fun things we can get them. And, and maybe that's kind of how it's shifted now. Like I, I think about gifts to get them that are going to be good for them in some way. And a little tradition I started a few years ago was making these little photo albums of just funny animal pictures that I find on social media, on the internet, uh, just wherever I can find them. And I put together these collections of just hilarious animal memes, just for no other reason that they're funny, but it's, it's, Again, it's one of those high ROI gifts because I see my kids rereading these books year after year. And I, I think that, you know, sometimes that's like the best type of gift uh, to give so something that's meaningful, that it's like tailor made for somebody 
um, that, that you know they're going to love it um, versus just like, oh, I think this is important or I think this is cool or good. But it's like, this person will love this gift. And, you know, I, for that reason, I, I love Christmas shopping. I even love Christmas Eve shopping. I love the crowds and the energy and the, I'm, I'm an extrovert. So I like big, you know, noisy places. And I, I like to find things that are just perfect for that person that are kind of spontaneous. And so I, I think that's what, you know, just being an adult, that's more what Christmas is about. It's like, I'm thinking about what I can get for others. Well, that sounds very wise. And I'd like to cap it off with a little bit more wisdom. Speaking of uh, radioactive superheroes, as I was earlier, (laughs) based on your anecdote, Zach, uh, let us draw to a close with this axiom with great pants comes great responsibility. (laughs) There we go. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stitch that on, you know, on, on the tag or something. Let's dive by our comm station for a final look at your feedback for the year 2022. As always, you can share your thoughts at podcast at lorehaven.com. Email us there or find us on the socials. Tag us at lorehaven. Of course, you can subscribe free for updates at lorehaven.com and get your exclusive invitation to join the Lorehaven Guild. That is our free Discord server. It's remodeling, by the way, for 2023, and we've already started construction. Uh, it's a castle over there in the guild, after all. So we're adding new rooms. Uh, just today, as we record, I added a whole new wing for the library, uh, kind of a more catch all uh, room uh, that will help handle all of our excellent book discussions there. Over 215 heroes the last time I checked. Uh, not all talking at once. The guild is a very hospitable place. I think you'll really enjoy it. And not just because in January, Uh, We are returning to Narnia for our next book quest. Uh, We had 12 book quests in the inaugural year last year, and we're starting off with Prince Caspian. That is the second, yes, I counted that correctly, the second Chronicle of Narnia, a little bit of a gritty reboot after The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So I'll be starting some uh, rereading here and putting together some book quests, uh, questions to lead that quest myself. Uh, Check the website for more info about our reading schedule for Prince Caspian. By the way, please pray for Lorehaven. We've already begun planning in earnest uh, new podcast episodes for next year, uh, new articles, new reviews. It's all continuing as we roll forward. Uh, but we're also thinking about some other features to add, uh, hoping to continue this mission of exploring fantastical stories for God's glory uh, now in the year 2023, starting in just a few weeks. From here on out, Zach and I are off for the holidays, a two-week vacation, I think. Next on Fantastical Truth, it's going to be a clip show. Well, not really a clip show. Actually, come to think of it, that would be more challenging for us to make. Instead, I think we've done this at least once every year since the podcast started. We're going to look back on the biggest stories we followed at Lorehaven about fantastical stories in the previous year. I'm going to try to include any updates from previous podcast guests or authors, anybody we could grab during the break. And I'm kind of toying haha, uh, with the idea of doing something a little different uh, with the uh, look back uh, format this year. So stay tuned to your podcast streamer uh, going into the first full week of January 2023. Meanwhile, if you're listening to this before Christmas Day, I hope you have a fantastic holiday future tense. If you're listening to this afterward, catching up on your podcasts, I hope you've got some great toys. I hope you got some good stuff, even if you're very grown up, uh, that will help you recreate, that will help you relax. Even if it's flippant, even if it's seemingly frivolous, I hope that God works through that good gift uh, to keep you focused on resting in him 
But I also hope you got some great tools, some great books, other resources, maybe even boring old socks and T-shirts uh, that help you with your greater goal of being a human. Uh, you were made to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And it is for his glory that we get gifts at Christmas time. And I hope that you can enjoy whatever you get and receive, especially as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth. <laughs>